Welcome to Hot Breath Comedy Fam. On Monday, May 13th, I am teaching a clean comedy workshop. The last four I have taught sold out very quickly, so if you wanna learn about clean comedy, the business side, where the line is, how to write clean comedy, go to the link in the description of this episode, and we'll see you there. What part of his act was he'd take a raw chicken out and put his hand up it and spin it around, and, and he walked off the stage and the stage was soaking wet. And I walked on, I came up the steps, walked on, and slipped and fell on my ass. I just fell so bad that I couldn't like recover from it. And I bombed. And so all the Tonight Show producers and all these people were there just staring at me. Hot breath. I'm good, how are you doing, Mike? Good, it worked. You look great. Thanks, buddy. You too. Oh man, I appreciate I appreciate you doing this. Yeah, I like your show. Um, thanks for asking me. You like the show? Wow, appreciate you saying that. Yeah, it's been uh, about five on? years. We've done about four hundred. I'm saying we, we've done five years now. We've been doing this show. Yeah, that's very cool. That's very, I bet you learned a lot. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, I've been doing stand up twelve years. But um, this has been a fun side well, thing. Well. You look 16. So <laughs> gotta be honest with you. <laughs> you know, white don't crack. You know, yeah. I get, I get that. I heard that. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm excited and congrats for getting on stage, dude. That's uh, that's awesome as well. It's been a lot of fun. You know, I didn't do it for 28 years. That's so and wild. and when I started, I started when I was 17. I did it every single night of my life into my early 30s. At, at least once every every night. Wow. And I was, I was just obsessed. And then, you know, it just got to the point where something had to give. I was doing too many other things. And I stopped doing it. And I thought, I'm going to have withdrawals or I'll get back into it. And. Then I had kids and I, you know, a life and I made a bunch of movies in a row and I just never stopped, got back. And when I came back to do the Comedy Store documentary and like Bill Burr's Paper Tiger and things like that, everyone would always go, don't you got the bug? Don't you got the bug? Don't you want to get back up on stage? And I was just constantly... No, it's the farthest thing in my mind. I like being behind the I like being able to appreciate comedians and not. And then my friend Felicia Michaels asked me to do this age against the machine thing in the belly room a couple weeks ago. And it, it's like heroin, man. You do <laughs> yeah. one good hit and you're in the alley blowing guys for time spots. It's, it doesn't, it doesn't take a lot, you know? It's You're back to like, doing bringer shows. You're going to be... <laughs> oh, bringer. Beggar. <laughs> well, I, I'm so excited to do this. We'll, um, let me give you a proper intro, and then okay. uh, we, will, we will kick this off. So, here we go. Welcome aboard, everyone. Welcome back to Hot Breath, the show where you learn comedy from the pros. I am your host, comedian Joel Byers, and our mission here is to cultivate the next generation of great comics by interviewing today's comedy greats. And our guest today, his comedy journey started at the age of 17 in a Detroit jazz club 
And just a year later, he picks up, moves to L.A., where he quickly found success as a regular at the Comedy Store. He had an HBO special produced by George Carlin. He was even a stand-in for Andy Kaufman on Taxi. But since this stand-up days, he's done a few things like, you know, direct specials for Bill Burr, an Adam Sandler movie. He just recently did the Comedy Store documentary. But now we are excited that he is doing Hot Breath today. So if you want to be a part of these, this is from our weekly live stream. We do a live Q&A every single Wednesday on our YouTube channel. So go subscribe there and welcome to the Hot breath Mr. Mike Binder, everyone. Yes. Thanks, Joel. I appreciate you having me on. Of course. Like show. Oh, my gosh. You like the show? Yeah, I do. Yeah. And I think... Sorry, all right. Oh, all those, look at all those kids locked in your basement. What is that? <laughs> Jesus. Oh, now I know why you quit comedy. Okay. <laughs> That's right. Hey, listen, because I had a perverted mind. And uh, hey, uh, um, no, this is great. I love, I love also what you said about you know being able to help the next generation of stand-ups. I think that's a really fantastic thing. Yeah, I mean, this show really started as like what I wish existed as a comedian. And um, since grown, it seems to be a sentiment for a lot of people. You know, Howie Mandel and I are doing a show. We're working on a show called Just Kidding, where we we get all these comedians that started in their teens and each one of them mentors a teen comic. And then we're going to end it. It's 10 episodes and the 10th episode is going to be uh, at Just for Laughs, which the, the festival how he owns. And and um, and it's not like a competition. It's just all of them are going to perform for this this great concert after being mentored by these giants of comedy who all started in their teens. I, I just did a thing with National Pediatric Cancer Foundation for a kid who wants to be a comedian as well. So I don't know if you're looking for kids, but um, he may be a good candidate. Yeah, no, it's more in their teens, you know. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Cancer is boring. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Jesus, it's, it's so passe. Yeah, it's very hack. I told him that, you know. But I mean, if you can get some kids dying of the coronavirus, <laughs> then we got something topical, Joel. <laughs> but cancer, that's the 90s, 2000s. So I'm, I'm super excited to have you on here. And this is a Q&A as well. So people watching live, we got some peeps watching. So... Feel free to comment with any questions y'all have here. I know people are DMing me questions, but um, if y'all have uh, questions here, put them in the live chat. And um, just just to kick it off here, I mean, you've been in the comedy game so long. The comedy game is evolving so much. It's like, where do you see, where do you see comedy is? Because even you tracking the Comedy Store documentary and you seeing the evolution of comedy through that time span, like, where do you see with where comedy is now, where do you see it headed? And how can the next generation really take advantage and really start creating their own success? Well, that's a great question because I, I'm so positive about the standard of comedy world and scene and art right now. And I would say just being on your show, just the fact that you've done this. And I would say, I would say to anyone a young person or any or an old person just getting started in comedy. Just dive in the water and be bold and don't be worried about 
who says yes to you? You've got to say yes to yourself. Mm. And in this, in this modern world, that's what I love about it. I mean, Joel, you just said yes to yourself and created your own, you know, I, I think, what, what did you call it? The buyer's, buyer's verse or whatever. Yeah, the, the hot breath of verse. Hot breath of verse. You know, I mean, I, I love that. I love what you're doing. That's why I wanted to be on the show. Because wow. I applaud it. I love what Mark Marin did in his garage. I loved what Bill Bird did on his couch. And, you know, talking to all these guys, you realize, you know, no, they didn't get, someone didn't say yes to them and give them a pile of money or starting thing. But they did something a little harder, a little more ballsy. They just hung in there one one follower at a time, which I'm sure you know. Yeah, you know, it takes, you know, and every one of these guys that's been really successful, Joe and Bill and Whitney and everyone. I, I feel like the the common denominator is they hung with it. They stay. They stayed with it. And so I feel like if you want to look, I, I'm 64 and I'm just getting back into stand up. And I don't know where it's going to go. I really don't. But I do know that if it's going to go anywhere, it's not going to be me getting signed by anybody or or any or Netflix or HBO or anyone saying yes to me because they're not going to. It's going to be me doing my own damn thing and building my own damn thing and having a really good time doing it. And not only do you have to be ballsy, I think you have to be really hard on yourself. I wouldn't ever lay anything down unless it was great. Yeah, that was, we just had Paul Verzi on here and uh, incredible. And the thing he talked about with his new Netflix special was he wanted it to be special. He wanted it to be something that's like people watch it and they remember it and they want to like share it. And I think he, he was referencing like so many people releasing specials now but like you reference, it's like making sure it's something you're proud of that you would like want to live on forever. And Paul's one of those guys who just hasn't stopped. And now he has a Netflix special. And by the way, I, I went and I jumped up with him at a club in San Diego last weekend with him and Bartnick, you know, Joe Bartnick, who uh -huh. I just love those two guys in general. And, and, um, fucking verts. Can I swear on that? I can swear. Yeah. Can swear let it rip. Let it rip, Mike. Verzi had a, a whole nother hour after doing special after special aired a week later, week earlier. And then there's Verzi up there with a whole nother hour. And it was so good. And mm. I thought, what an animal. And um, the only one I've ever seen do that is Bill Burr, you know? Yeah. yeah I was going to say, yeah, that explains why Bill Burr liked him so much early on. Yeah. Yeah, they're good buddies. That's how I met him, actually. Was through Bill? Yeah. And you met Bill on the, the movie set, right? On Black or White? Yeah. And then from there, yep. you guys were just like comedy soulmates? Yeah, it was really great. Because uh, it, it was going to be Jason Sudeikis, at least we thought. And then something happened. He couldn't do it. And at the last minute, we were about two weeks from shooting and I was just in my room and I, uh, my friend 
Clay, who's uh, built my house and is a really good buddy of mine, would always tell me about this guy, Bill Burr, on YouTube. And it was like another error in my life. I thought, well, if he's on YouTube, it means he ain't any good. Okay? Uh-huh. <laughs> and if I haven't heard of him, it means he ain't any good, you know? And which a lot of comics in my generation have that attitude because they don't know about this whole other world. And one night he comes on uh, Conan. I'm sitting in my hotel room and I just, man, this guy's great. And I called Kevin Costner. I said, turn the TV on and watch this guy right now because he could play this role. And um, he, I called, Kevin said yes. <laughs> and I called Sharon Bialy, who knew him, who's cast all my movies and she had casted him in a smaller role on Breaking Bad. And then it turned out he was with my manager's company. So I just got his number and I called him and he was, he was unbelievable. He was like, do I got to read? I went, no. He goes, well, you know, I'd have to cat, uh, cancel a bunch of dates and I, club dates. And uh, I said, well, can you do it? He said, yeah. And it, can you get on a plane like tonight? And he did. Wow. And he came down. He came down and everybody loved the guy. You know, he just was everybody. Everybody just loved him. What what is what did what did everyone love about him? What is Bill seems to have something like he seems to have the sauce. Yeah. Well, he's a great actor. They loved they loved what the job he was doing. Plus, he's funny. And if you don't know him too well, you don't you don't get you know you, you, you kind of like him. When you get to know him a lot more, you don't like him as much. <laughs> but, but the people that those people, I, we, he was new to us all. Put it that way. Oh yeah, yeah. It was that honeymoon phase of it, I guess. Yeah. No. No. He was. He was great. He was great. He was great in the movie, and we've become great friends ever since. We've hung out so much and done so many things together. We have yeah. a new special coming out next Friday night called Live at Red Rocks on Netflix. It's unbelievable. It's I think it's the best thing he's ever done. And he and I produced it together and I directed it. But he uh, he it's him, man. He just he put together an hour that's just incredible. I just love it. Yeah, he he's, he's one of those comics you watch. And it's like, oh, that's where comedy is. Like, I'm 12 years in. Sometimes I feel good about, like, some of the comedy I can do. And then it is like seeing someone like Bill Burr and it's like, oh, there's so many more decades of work to do. <laughs> well, he's done it so long and so consistently. And, he, you know, he knows it, too. He'll, you'll give him some advice. Like, hey, don't tell me what to do. I've been doing it too long. <laughs> I got it down the way I like it. I don't want to hear anything. And I was like, you're right. I'll, get the, I'll have the camera over here, Mr. Burr. <laughs> you know? And the, the big thing uh, that's real inspiring about what he's doing with all things comedy is it is like it seems to be this like for comics by comics platform, which is what we're like building here at Hot Breath. But it's really like comics helping comics and just letting the funny yep. rise to the top, you know. That's right. That's right. So it's good to know at that level, even comics at like his level are still thinking about like younger comics and how they can help out. And really, he does a lot. I, I, he has he has a really good 
ability to have empathy for new comics. I really appreciate that about Bill. He's really, he's really, he's, I've seen him when young comics come up to him. He's always, he's, he's top, top shelf. Ah, I'm excited to have him on here. So the questions, let's get into some people's questions here. Uh, hey, can I smoke a cigar? Let her rip. Yeah, go for it. Go for it. By the way, this year, let me show you this cigar. I'm going to smoke. Oh, I don't know. What is, is that a Joe, is that a Joe Rogan? <laughs> Joe Rogan. Or I could have smoked a Bill Burr. What? It's a long story. We'll get into it later. <laughs> wow. Did, did you get that from Joe when you did the documentary? Uh, Just no, I got it. I got Joe those cigars through my buddy Nick Malilio, and he loves them. Oh, you're the plug. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and, um, he has this company called Foundation Cigars that are just fantastic. And we're going to do a whole series of comedians cigars on my site, standupworld.com for, mm-hmm. to raise money for the, um, the, the comedy stores family fund, which is a comedians in crisis fund. So wow. There's, there's going to end up being about eight comedians with their own brand cigars. And there's going to be five, each one's going to have 500 limited 500 box run. And they're going to, all the money is going to go towards a, a, the, the comedy store family fund. Oh, that's, when is that dropping? Probably this September. We're working on it right now, but it's, it should be really soon. That's awesome. I know. I look, yeah. I look like a Mormon, but maybe I'll have to get some just to edge it up a little bit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll I, brought them the, to you. I brought the chest hair out to try to show a little edge. But God damn, if I had known that, <laughs> this, thing, this interview would have been a lot shorter. <laughs> so, yeah, we got we got several peeps commenting with questions here. So, yeah, come on in. Ask your okay. questions here for the, the one and only Mike Binder. It looks like the first one we have here is um, ah, people saying they love the Comedy Store documentary. Thank you for capturing oh, history. Yeah, well, it was really good. The the, the weird thing, I, I did I researched you before doing this. I hadn't heard this brought up, but you came up in urban rooms in Detroit, but then you forgot about yep. Fat Tuesdays on the. I didn't forget about Fat Tuesday. Fat Tuesday got their own documentary. I didn't forget about Fat Tuesday. This is the problem. I picked that. You know how many other shows I didn't do. There was Fat Tuesday wasn't the only only group that had their own show, uh-huh. you know, you, you know, but listen, they whine loud enough. They got their own documentary and I loved it. I thought it was great. But mm. Fat Tuesday wasn't I didn't there, I can give you nine different comedy, the comedy store players. I didn't do anything on the comedy store, La Jolla, the Dunes era in comedy, you know, uh, there were all kinds of crazy nights that, that, you know, uh, uh, what happened? We lost Mike. We lost Mike. You, can you hear me? I can hear you. Yes. 
It's so funny. We're talking about the the black night at Comedy Store, and then your screen went black. How? You see that? How funny? <laughs> there you are. You got censored me. You censored me. You knew I was about <laughs> yeah. to erase it. This is a gotcha. We're we're doing all this to get Mike Binder canceled. No, but but I so I didn't forget about him. It's just that I, even with five episodes, I didn't have time to do anything. You know, so mm-hmm. and and there were so many people said, "How come you're not talking about La Jolla? How come you're not talking about she's going on the La Jolla Comedy Store? How come you're not talking about the Comedy Store players and and doing a section on that or or." Arab nights. They, Mitzi had an Arab night, you know, and not an Arab. I, I, I guess it was Middle Eastern. But but anyway, I, listen, Fat Tuesday was awesome. And they ended up getting a great documentary out of it. Yeah, for sure. I, I just hadn't heard that. Uh, what, somebody, somebody asked that question or you asked? No, I, I was thinking of that because. I know you came up in a lot of all black rooms and then that made me think of, oh yeah, the fat Tuesday. And that wasn't in the documentary. So that's, I just like went eight. Well, not only that, here's the other side of it is. And I said this in the documentary, Mitzi Shore was into diversity so many years before everybody else. She always was, oh, a Japanese comic. Or this, oh, that's great. I want to get more women comics. I want to get, you know, mm-hmm. and, but but it was if you looked at any lineup back then, there were so many black comics. There were so many, you know, women, good women. Eventually, when she, when Mitzi set her mind to it, and she was she was, but she was into people being different long before anyone even used that word diversity. So, I, you know, as great as Fat Tuesday was, any of those comics that were in that documentary. They were really funny. Got any of this, any spots they wanted. You know, what's interesting is the comedy like you because you were there for all like the, the strikes and all that. Mm-hmm. And it seems mm-hmm. like comedian pay, at least in like the comedy club circuit, it seems like it's the, been the same forever. Like, I feel like everyone gets yeah, paid the same now really as ever. Sad. It's really sad. I, I couldn't believe it when I heard that. But listen, it's been this. It's at the same. Look, there's also a, a caveat to that. Those clubs, like the Comedy Store and the Improv and the Laugh Factory, are in town. It's very easy. They, 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 the comedians get more than just money out of them. Oh they can yeah. Go down there. They can go down there and work out material, or have a home club, a place to hang. A, a place to get sharp on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night. So when they go out Thursday, Friday, and Saturday and make money, they're they're pinprick sharp. Yeah, that's what I meant for like clubs across the country. Like if you're hosting or emceeing, like that pay that pay has been the same since like forever. And I asked a club owner about it, and he I said it's all supply demand. I can't speak for that because I, I mean. I happen to have been one of the first headliners at a comedy club in the country, which the first, the first other than, other than um, the, the San Francisco, New York, and L.A., there were no comedy clubs when we started. You know, and after post this post Steve Martin era, there was a drought. You know, from about seventy six to eighty. 
four or something. Right. And uh, a guy I knew in Detroit named Mark Ridley started a club called the Comedy Castle based on the comedy store in L.A. And he said, I'll bring a headliner and hire two locals and make three, make it three. And we were also, a lot of us were at the time on a show called Make Me Laugh, which was on every night at 11, five nights a week in place of the news. And it was really popular for a while. And everybody was on that. Bruce Baum and Coulier and, and uh, uh, Gary Shandling and Mule Deer and, and Tim Thomerson. And I'm trying to think who else. I mean, so many comics and we would go out and put, so the comedy clip club, uh, castle started. And then I think Zany started right after that. And Atlanta, a club, there was the Cleveland comedy club. There was the Pittsburgh comedy club and they would always pay the headliners pretty well, you know, but mm -hmm. the local acts, get paid what local acts in New York and LA got paid. Yeah. And I don't think I listen, I'm not condoning this. I think they should be paid more, but that's, I think it's always been the thinking, but I do know when I talk to my friends that are headlining these comedy clubs, which are beautiful clubs. Now the improv clubs and all these clubs all across the country, they're making a hell of a lot more than I made for headlining, you know? Hmm. And I was one of the top head paid headliners. And one of the first you said, so that's really cool. Yeah. Well, I was the first, one of the first, I was the first at Mark Ridley's club, which mm -hmm. was one of the first clubs, but, but like giggles and they were called, they were called everything. Chuckle <laughs> Huts. And yeah. Chuckle Hut, you know, the comedy crock pot, you know, what they just threw every name they could at these clubs. <laughs> But they paid us pretty well, and especially for me, because I was only 19, 20 years old, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and but I, I know that the middle act and the first guy probably got 25 bucks a night, 50 bucks a night. Mm-hmm. Same now. And by the way, by the, well, by the way. If, if that's bothering you, get out of the business now. Go figure out how to make money on Wall Street, you know, because, mm -hmm. you know, got to pay your dues, you know, you got to pay your dues. And, 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 and it's in the beginning, it's not about money. It's about getting up on stage. I, right now, I'd almost pay for people to put me on stage. I called Bert Kreischer today begging for him to throw me on this fucking belly room uh, thing he's having the fucker didn't even call me back so you, know, so you know I mean there's probably so many other people bugging him to put to be on to these things you know there's just you know you, right now it's hard to get stage time so if you're complaining about only getting 25 or 50 bucks you're kind of looking at it wrong and what what would you say is your worst in your comedy career, like the, I always ask comics on here, like their worst bombing, like the worst time they've ever bombed or a show that's just unforgettable. They'll never forget. I once auditioned for the tonight show at a, at a, on a soundstage in Burbank 
And they had about eight comics that they were considering putting on the Tonight Show. And they had they had Freddie de Cordova and all the producers there and, uh, you know, about 20 other people. And I followed a guy named Bill, Bill, uh, Bruce Martyr, Bruce, no, Bruce Marr. And he, Bruce, yeah, his name was Bruce Marr. And not Bill Marr, Bruce Marr. And, but he, what, part of his act was he'd take a raw chicken out and put his hand up it and spin it around. And which is fine. That was his choice, you know. But and I was I was just a monologist, you know. I just stood there and told jokes. And he walked off the stage, and the stage was soaking wet. And I walked on. I came up the steps, walked on, and slipped and fell on my ass. I just fell so bad that I couldn't like recover from it, and I bombed. And so all the Tonight Show producers and all these people were there just staring at me. And I just wanted to go. It was the fucking guy who put his hand up a chicken's ass. Blame him. Don't put him on the show. But, but I didn't get the show at that point. But you were still one of the youngest people to get on the Tonight Show. I was. Yeah, I was. And I, and I mean, I eventually got on the show, but but that first time stuck with me. And then I remember, it's funny because you, you remember bombs and you remember uh, bad reviews. I, I was playing Pine Knob in Detroit, which is a big outdoor amphitheater. And I was opening for, I believe I was opening for Andy Williams, who was like a kind of a, you know, middle of the road singer. But, but he was big. He was a huge star. I mean, you don't know who he is, right? Mm. But, he, but he was a huge Huge star. He filled Pine Knob, which was 8,000 seats, you know. But uh, he had an older audience, and he was a crooner. And I went out and did my act, and the next day the Detroit Free Press, oh, the cover, the, the front page of the entertainment section, there was this reviewer wrote, Mike Binder's jokes are obnoxious. And that and that was that was the nicest part of the review. And that was like my hometown. And I just, I was so bummed. Oh. And then that stayed with me forever. I could until about a couple of years ago, I could read I could recite you the review by heart. <laughs> that's why I always ask, because we, we never forget those. No, that's right. Where'd you start, Joel? I started here in Atlanta. I'm still in Atlanta. So Oh, you're in Atlanta? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I came cool. up in like the, the hood rooms of Atlanta. White people didn't mess with me for a long time. So I was doing all the hood yeah. rooms, the strip clubs and the nightclubs, and I've you know, That's I've had great. the lights shut off on me and all that. So it I'm white boy Joel around these parts. That's great. <laughs> Are there good clubs in Atlanta? Good comedy yeah. clubs? Yeah, yeah. We have four. Yeah, we have four clubs here. So it's, it's a good scene. It's I, I came up here. I always wanted to just kind of build it from here instead of like moving. Um, That's really smart. That's so really it's, smart. It, it's been the longer road, but I feel like it'll take me farther. So um, I'm great. I think what you're doing is great because not only – I mean, you've built your own show and your own – 
You know, I say to my son, my son just wrote and directed his first movie and acted in it and, and he, um, for nothing, you know, and, but he, he, and he edited it and then he edited the Bob Saget tribute on Netflix. And I said, you know, and he, but he, that's not what he wants to do. He wants to be an actor. I said, but look at all the tools you've picked up. Look at, you know, look at all the tools you've picked up along the way, Joel. You know, it's like if you had just come out and been another guy waiting in line on audition nights at these clubs or, or working at a camera store out here, you wouldn't know how to create a series and how to, you know, you know, all the things you know how to create. And, and I, that's what I think is so fantastic is, and I tell this story a lot, but when I came back to do the comedy store documentary, the biggest thing I noticed was the, the regulars that were working out when we were, when I was there and, and I'm talking about the bigger names, you know, the guy, they'd come in and they'd go to the front booth and go, who's in the audience? Who's here? You know, just in case, you know, they'd get some show or movie part or anything. And it became obvious to me very quickly that the comics working today never bother asking because they don't give a damn. Mm-hmm. They don't care who's in the audience. They're, they run their own studios. They run their own, they create their own world, you know? Yep. And if someone wants to see them, great. But if not, fuck them, you know? And I, and I think it's just so great. I agree. I agree. I mean, I have so much respect for the Rogans and the Burrs and, and the Whitney's of the world, you know? I mean, it's just amazing that, and Sebastian and these people are, they're in charge of their own lives, you know, and, and I don't care how big you were back then, you know, you weren't, you know, and sometimes like Burr will say to me, yeah, you know, it's, uh, I'm, I'm riding high, but who knows how long it's going to last. And I'm like t- thinking, he doesn't understand. It used to didn't last long because they pick somebody else. But when you're the boss, you get to do it as long as you want to do it. And as long as you're doing it good. That's wild. Even someone at Bill Burr's level is like, oh, but this could end at any moment. Like they're not. It's true. That's wow. true. Unless it's fake humility, which I, I wouldn't put past. them. <laughs> we'll have to ask him about that. False humility. Yeah. What's your comedy advice? Just fake it. Just fake it. <laughs> no, no, no. I would say just the opposite. Just be you, you know, write about your life. You know, and the other thing I've learned that I didn't do great, but I learned it. Directing other comics, being gone from it. And um, you got to have an act. <laughs> Leno used to always fucking... Bug me. Behind it. You don't have an act. Get a fucking act. Put an act together. You know, and I just was always like, eh, what do you guys want to talk about? And or I'd have 15 minutes and then I'd try other shit or, you know, and it was just it was really. And like, you know, recently I saw Mark Norman, who I just love this guy. I yeah. just love him. But this guy went up at the Irvine Improv. And he did an hour 10, I think, you know, 
And it was boom, 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 boom. And he, you know, he asked a couple questions from the audience and messed around a little, but he he knew exactly where he was going and exactly where he was ending. And he understood he's there to entertain them, not to entertain himself, mm. you know? And for me, I spent a lot of years just wanting to entertain myself, you know? Yeah. It was, that was like a split personality between desperately needed the audience, the audience approval and just, I want to do it my way, you know? And, and it, Leno used to harangue me, you know, just have an act, have a fucking act. You know, yeah, you guys and would I, play risk together and stuff, right? You guys went way back. Oh, oh yeah. We were, we were really close for a long time. He was like, my, I was like his little buddy for years, but, but the point is, you know, I really see it. I mean, the reason Bill Burr is a genius is because he's got a crazy mind, A, but B, because he works so hard at it and he, he understands it's such a craft. He doesn't, he doesn't see it as, a, a, you know, celebrityness. He sees it as he, he's, he's a cabinet maker or something, you know, mm. he crafts these routines and jokes and, and one thing, man, like I did Paper Tiger and I did Red Rocks, okay? And both of those shows, two shows each, we ended up picking the second show on one and the second show or the other. But both of those shows were the exact same in terms of his material. He had put a, a, a set together and there wasn't he wasn't taking chances that he was going to kill. He... You know, and he really worked it and put it together. And I know this sounds stupid, but I never understood that. When I was doing stand-up, I never understood that. Huh. Sting. Yeah. Well, I was young, first of all. You know, I started so young. And I never really, I never had a problem because, I don't know, I just, I guess because I was young and I was crazy and I was always messed up on drugs, I, I just got over, you know, but if you had to record it or do it for an important night, it could go bad. And I've just come to really realize that, you know, you got to have a show. You, you got to, you got to be there for them. Yeah. Are these, are these too long answers for you, Joel? Is that it? Cause no, these I are great. Phone. No, 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 I'm listening. I'm, I'm teasing. <laughs> no, I, I'm listening. That's half half of this show for me is just like listening. I, I'm just I just absorb all of these, you know. So everything you're saying is super relevant and helpful because I do think there are, especially younger comics, who do see someone like a Bill Burr who's getting away with like maybe edgy topics, and they and younger comics may see that and be like, oh, it's because he's saying it with attitude, but they don't understand. There's decades of honing the craft to be able to start pulling these topics off. And young comics kind of got to learn the rules before they break them. And by the way, uh, Bill doesn't think in, uh, it's not, they're not topics. They're, they're things that he's built that he knows are funny. And he's figured out after night, after night, after night, how to turn them into a 
routine. Mm. He's, he's not he's not a guy that would go, I better do something on abortion, <laughs> you know? He goes, I got something on abortion. Let me work on it, you know? Ah, uh, okay. That's all. And he just writes all on stage? No, no. Yeah. I, no, I think, I, think, I think from interviewing him and from talking to him, I think he gets an idea driving around, and then he jumps up on stage and tries it out and then goes, okay, that worked this way, this way. And he just, he worked, he, he's always jumping up somewhere. He's always working it out, honing that, you know, he ends Red Rock with this amazing routine that I don't want to talk about because mm-hmm. it's so fucking good. I want people not to be, but he worked on that thing for a good year and a half and it just got better and better and better. And then it gets longer and then it gets shorter. And, you know, he's, he's a, he's, he's a master for a reason. He, 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 he takes, he, he, the work is very important to him. The product is very important to him. I, I don't think he gives two shits about the prizes. Mm. Good to know. All right. Let me get into uh, some some viewer questions here. Let's get into some of these live questions here. Thank you all so much for posting your questions. And people are showing a lot of just love and gratitude for even being here, which is so nice. So uh, really? Yeah. Nice. Uh, Yeah. We're all about being positive and supportive here. We're all about comics helping comics. So uh, the first one here, I have a new site. I have a site called standupworld.com. Yeah. People love that too. Yeah. Yeah. And we, uh, and you know, I'm one of the things, there's two things. One, we're going to profile and we are profiling a lot of new comics, new things and new technology, but also a lot of comics that we've lost that people might not know about. And, like we just did this piece on Flip Wilson, which I was really happy to do. Wow! Because a lot, because he was one of my favorites growing up, and now a lot of people don't know Flip Wilson. So I think it goes two ways: one, you got to bring the new people along, and two, you got to make sure that the people that are gone are forgotten. Yeah, and I just put a link to that website in the in the live chat, and I'll definitely put that in the show notes when I release this as oh, the podcast as well. Because, yeah, that website's amazing, and you're writing a lot of cool articles, but you also have all sections of, like, podcasts and different social right. media. Like, it's really like a place to, like, showcase and celebrate comedy. Yeah, that's right. We have everybody's Instagram and podcasts and tour dates and books and everything, yeah. Beautiful. All right. So I just put that in the and, 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 and it doesn't make one goddamn penny. <laughs> but I love it. <laughs> Welcome to my world. All right. We're <laughs> me and Mike Binder <laughs> for the love of the game out here. That's right. Um, so Ryan Skrilla asked, uh, how do you shift gears from dark humor on projects like Ray Donovan to silly, relatable rom-com like catch all that is stand up to the cat. Wait, really? Yeah, I didn't do it. It would be called catch all. Oh, catch all. That is. Oh, wait. How do you shift gears from dark humor? Like Ray Donovan to silly, relatable rom-coms to stand up. That's what he basically was saying. 
it, it's really just like, you know, playing another sport or doing another game, you know? And I, I look, I, I, I like really dark stuff. I, I like dramatic stuff. I did that movie Rain Over Me with, with Adam Sandler and I did Black or White with Kevin Costner. And But at the same token, I, I like just going for the laugh too. You know, that's fun too. I, I made a movie that really kind of started me as, in movies called Sex Monster, which won, you know, the HBO's Festival Best Actor and Best Movie Award. And, and we made it for nothing, you know, and, and uh, that was just a f- balls out sex comedy, you know, mm-hmm. but, uh, but, and then I, you know, and, and one of the, probably the best fun I ever had making a movie in my life was a huge bomb, which has had a great afterlife it was a movie called blank man with Damon Waynes and David Allen Greer. But, but that was just a, silly comedy and it was great i had so much so you know i've had agents tell me that's why my career didn't go better as a movie maker because i was all over the map but i kind of like being all over the map Mm. nice uh the next one here and we'll just uh we'll just try to run through these Uh, this one this is from one of our og members uh, Bobby Sutton, she just had an epiphany, she said. She's like, I was supposed to hear this today. I've been putting off projects I want to do for myself for so long to help people use my talent for their benefit without any reward. What's the best way to exit a work situation that no one has been in for a long time while keeping them as friends? The back door late at night when no one knows you left. <laughs> you just quietly leave. <laughs> she not part of this anymore yeah (laughs) just leave yeah i just yeah just leave just but also or just be honest just say hey you know it's time to go it's time to go i'm not getting any juice out of this anymore i love you but i gotta go all right yeah just being transparent you know what i'm gonna you know what i'm gonna do i I, real quick I, i think i have to um i have to change this yeah, yeah, go for it. I think I think this thing, the the, um, the battery's running out on this thing. Yeah, or it looks it looks um, like is it a thermometer or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Either that, or I've got the mumps or something. Someone wants to give me a check. <laughs> Your camera has COVID. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. If it, if it shuts down, I'll just shut to my camera's webcam. Okay, cool. My computer. But I appreciate you setting that up, though. That it definitely makes a big difference. So, um, uh, the next one here from Alan Michael Harbor. Um, what was it like working with Tom Cruise? Uh, it was fantastic. He was a great guy, and he had an amazing sense of humor, and he just was funny as hell, and he loved to laugh. So it was really, it was great. He, he pulled some serious gags on me, and. And he, um, he just was fun. He likes his job. He works hard. It was a good, that was a great time. Steven Spielberg and Tom Cruise. That was a great time. <laughs> what was the gag? I came back from lunch one day and, you know, there was a scene where they, my character gets thrown out a window, like 18 stories high, shot out a window. 
and there's a guy dressed like me in the same clothes with a wig that looks like my hair, and Spielberg and him and Yanis Kaminsky are arguing. No, no, no. We'll, we, let me, and Tom was going, just let me ask Mike if he'll do the stunt. I do my stunts. Let me ask Mike. And they say, Mike, we got a photo double, but it's not going to look good. Can Just look. And look out about three stories down. They built this whole ramp, and there was a giant air mattress. Huge. He goes, just, can I just shoot you out the window and you land backwards? It'll be easy. I've done it a million times. And like, I'm like this kid in high school with the cool kids. Ah, 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 pissing my pants. And I go, I guess I could try. And Tom goes, yeah, okay. So just, and those guys go, oh, far out, Mike. Thank you so much. We didn't want to use a stunt double on this set stunt. And Tom goes, just fall backwards and don't. Make sure it's you're flat, because if not, you're going to snap your neck. <laughs> and he just starts laughing his ass off. And these guys and the whole crew just goes down. They set me up at lunch. Like, let's see if we can get him to fucking say, yeah, I'll do this stunt. <laughs> and it was hysterical. And and uh, he did. He kept doing things like that. You know, it was just he just has fun. Messing with people on the set and just, but it's always with love. I got to tell you, it's not, as I'm telling you, maybe it comes off like a mean thing he did, but it wasn't. It was, it was pure to have fun. He's an amazing guy. It's awesome. Uh, Alexander K, when you come across a new comic, what about their jokes or them as a performer uh, like sparks your attention? I don't know. You know, I mean, I, I don't know. I was watched so many new comedians at the comedy store. Then I saw this woman, Annie Letterman, and she just, her she, her jokes were so different and unique. And I guess you can still hear me, right? Yeah, I can, I can hear you. Yeah. All right. Let me just switch the camera if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I guess I got to go to your. Because, uh... yeah, we're all, we can still hear you and such. Yeah, let, let me. Uh, so I guess I got to go to your uh, <clears throat> preferences or something. Or does anyone know how to do this? <laughs> yeah! We have Mike Binder yeah. using technology right now. This is yeah, this right, is a hot right. breath exclusive. Yeah, it's like um, it's like Grandpa checking email. It's like, is this? Hey. So you kids get off my Instagram feed. <laughs> my emails at Hotmail. What what what's the name of this? site you're using here okay i got it all right and preferences stay with you can you can ask me anything you want and i'll and i'll just as we uh, do cool I'll yeah just, yeah yeah and we'll, I'll, we'll I'll get, get to um thanks everyone for posting your questions we have about 10 more minutes so we'll uh we'll get to as many as we can here um the next one this is from johannes it said which methods do you use to write jokes I just get ideas and I, and I, um, I, I just get ideas and I honestly, I just go for them. You know, I, I'll try them out on stage and then same thing, you know, try to make them a little bit better every time. Just on stage. Yeah. But I, I know I sit, I actually sit down and write them out and 
work them out and try to make them good, you know, but by the same token, I, um, you know, I, 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 I do off stage. Like if I, if I've got an idea about, you know, my wife and I traveling, I'll, I'll just write it out and play with it and really try to get it as far down the road as I can without taking it to the stage. Yeah, because in researching you, I heard you say you'll write for like three or four hours a day. Well, but I also, you got to remember the other side of it is, is that I, you know, I've really developed a strong discipline for um, screenplay writing. Cause mm. So a lot of that, when I was talking about, when I was talking about my movies, you know, how, how were you able to develop that discipline? Because that consistency in writing is just, it's like doing deadlifts, man. <laughs> well, that's what it is. You know, you have to, you got to really get that consistency. You know, you really have to, um, I write every day. I write every day. Now I'm writing some stand-up, but I write every single day. All right. Next question here from Drew Beekler. From a direction point of view, what things do you see in specials that people are doing right and doing wrong? Oh, I, I don't know. It's a good question. But, I mean, there's some great specials. I mean, that Rothaniel was such a piece of art. And, yeah. That was you, know, you know, and I don't know, you know, Paul Verge's new special, I just loved, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, I don't really, I, I think it's, there's a lot of things to do right and there's a lot of things to do wrong, you know? And, and I, I, I think it's, it's like a piece of art. You can't say, well, that's wrong. You know, it's, it's what people want to do. You know, uh, I wanted to do a little beginning thing at Paper Tiger with these photographs that we had done of Bill walking around London. And at the end of the day, Netflix said, just get the thing going. And Bill agreed with it, you know? And so I, I, I do kind of think that's one thing is sometimes it's just better to get the, get the damn thing going, you know, <laughs> start, start this. And, you know, Bill and I just produced a special for a, a, a comedian and now they're talking about the, he wants to do a little bit of a, or the, uh, the other producer wants to put a little documentary footage with it. And I'm thinking, I don't know. I don't know if that works. I don't know if that's going to work. You know, I think sometimes it's better to just, uh, either you're doing a, like, I'll give you another really good example. We just did that Bob Saget thing. Yeah. On Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, there was talk about showing going out of this comedy store more and showing early footage of his and some home video that he had. And, and I was like, we got to stay with the girl we brought to the dance. You know, we got to keep it this real kind of live comedy store show memorial. If, if you want to turn, if it's in a documentary, it'll be like nine other things. We'll squeeze, let's squeeze in two more here. Um, Sorry about that, anybody that cared. <laughs> oh, we all care. 
Your mic yeah. binder. Yeah. This is important. We're making comedy history right now, Mike. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Deal. This is the Valley Forge of comedy. This is a big deal right here. This is our big break. We've had over 400 comics on here, but this is the one. Had some great comics. Are you really having Bill on? If, if you say so. No, I have no. Believe me, I haven't. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't, I haven't reached yeah. out. You should. Like you should. to his like agent. Yeah, his manager, Dave Becky. Oh. Okay. Just reach out. But to I don't. I, I don't. I, honestly, I believe me. That's I'm, the last thing I would do is try to start booking him. I mean, yeah. I mean, most most of uh, the most of, like the big names I've gotten have been from like referral. Like it's been. By like, the way. By the way, Paul Verzi knows what could, could could help with that. That's he loves Paul. Yeah, Paul thought he'd already been on the show because he's like, "Is this the one where Burr like roasted you?" And I was like, "Well, not yet, but if he if he says so, then let's do it." You know, man. Yeah, Ver, Ver, Verzi's great though. Super nice guy. I love meeting people yeah. at his level that they're like just nice and they care about helping comics. You know, I just have love you had Joe Bartnick on. I have not. No, you got to get Joe Bartnick on. Okay, he is a funny, funny fucking guy, and he tells great stories. And he's got a new special coming out that they just filmed. Oh, perfect! Yeah, I always like to time it when people are like releasing specials or something as well. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll definitely have Joe on too. Nice, and we'll work on Bill. That's right, everyone. You heard it here first. That's right. He should come on. Fucking slacker. Yeah, you see that, Bill? Mike just said you should come on the show. Come out of your Hollywood mansion, get in the Ferrari, <laughs> tell Stallone you'll call him another day, come down the hill and be on Joel Byers' show, you bald fuck ya. <laughs> An applause. Ah! Cue applause. We'll see you soon, Bill. So maybe... um. The last thing we can end with here, maybe it's like your your favorite um, advice that you've gotten throughout your career. Like, is something that stuck out that you just carried with you that maybe this next generation of comics can learn and build from? Uh, I, you know, I'm I'm learning myself. You know, it, you're always learning, and to me, I'm following the guys that are present day. That's. You know, Bill said something to me one time that really struck with me. And, you know, he when I was doing after right after I did the documentary, he said the documentary was great for you because you're you know, comedians from your generation and now a, a, a newer generation and you're current. And I think you, the current comedians and the newer ones just starting and people like you that are coming up right now have more to offer than, you know, some guy that just wants to tell t stories about it. And then we went to Chicago and we killed, you know, it, it, I think what's going on now, you have to be very, very current in this business. And by the way, you need to know how to put your camera back on when another one <laughs> fails. <laughs> how can comics set themselves apart? Like with so many comics out there. I don't think you have to set yourself apart. You just have to be really funny and you have to love what you're doing. The audience smells it. The audience smells that 
Mark Norman loves comedy. Mm-hmm. And he tells him eighty times, comedy. But he loves it. He loves comedy. You know, Shane Gillis loves comedy. He loves being funny. Mm-hmm. Just be funny. I love it. Well, Mike Binder, thank you so much. I mean, the, the, the last thing we do here, do you mind just looking at the camera saying your name and why people should listen to Hot Breath? Hey, I'm Mike Binder, and you should listen to Hot Breath because you're going to learn a lot about comedy. And while you're on the show, they have people that rifle through your apartment. So it's very important that you come on, you listen, and you pay close attention, and you ignore the noises in the other rooms. Perfect. Mike Binder, thank you so much for being on Hot Breath. StandUpWorld.com. Is there anything else you want to promote here? Uh, Red Rocks. Live at Red Rocks next Friday. Bill Burr, his best special ever. And... I love it. So, um, thank you so much, everyone, for hanging out. Well, and thank thanks you. for having me on. I really appreciate it. I'm sorry about the technical problems, but no worries at all, my friend. Have a good day. Okay. Okay. Cool. There you have it, Hot Breath of Verse. This interview was from our weekly live stream we do every Wednesday on our YouTube channel. So go subscribe to that and go check out Mike's amazing website where he's profiling comedy and news, all to help comedians which is where we're all about here. So we appreciate you being a part of that mission. And until next Monday, right here on Hot Breath. Hot Breath. This episode of Hot Breath is sponsored by our Patreon. If any of our content has helped your comedy career, join our Patreon linked in the show notes and get positive comedy karma for life. Probably.